You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you further. You step forward little by little, not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Deeper Waters podcast. I am Nick Peters, your host, seeking to bring you the very best in Christian scholarship and apologetics, and today is no exception. We've got someone on the show today who, uh, he's someone I've been wanting to have for a long, long time on the show, and we finally got him here. Uh, when I first started my journey in apologetics, one of the first books that really lit my fire. The first one I said lit my fire got me going with a book called Case for Christ. I'd heard someone talk about this journalist who set out to disprove Christianity and end up becoming a believer as an end. And I read that book and wow. Not only did I get good information, but I got the names of scholars I could go to and get more information from. Well, that offer is with me today. Lee Strobar. He is an atheist turned Christian, former award-winning legal editor of the Chicago Tribune, New York Times best-selling author more than 30 books. He's a former professor of Christian thought at Houston Baptist University and serves as teaching pastor at Woodlands Church in Texas. He was educated at the University of Missouri with a Bachelor in Journalism, Yale Law School with a Master of Studies in Law, and he was a journalist for 14 years at Chicago Tribune and other newspapers, winning Illinois' highest honor for public service journalism from United Press International. He also led a team that won UPI's top award for investigative reporting in Illinois. After investigating the evidence for Jesus, he became a Christian in 1981. He subsequently became a teaching pastor at two of America's most influential churches and host of a national network TV program, Faith Under Fire. In addition, he taught First Amendment law at Roosevelt University. In 2017, his spiritual journey was depicted in a major motion picture of A Case for Christ, which was the number three faith-based movie of the year at the box office. He's won national awards for his books for Case for Christ, Case for Faith, Case for a Creator, Case for Grace. In all, his books have sold in excess of 14 million copies. He's described in Washington Post as one of the evangelical community's most popular apologists. The Christian Post named Lee one of the top seven evangelical leaders who made an impact in 2017. He and Leslie have been married for 45 years in near Houston, Texas. They live there. Their daughter, Allison, is the author of five novels. Her son, Kyle, is a professor of spiritual theology at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. Lee, it's so awesome to have you here. Well, thanks, Nick. It's great to chat with you. I, I uh, apologize it's taken so long for us to work this out, but I'm thrilled with you and what you're doing. I, uh, your blog has been very helpful. I love the research that you do and the way you respond so um, um, directly and convincingly and compellingly to skeptics and the issues they raise. So thanks for what you're doing. I really appreciate that. Now, we've only got you here for 40 minutes overall, and I've already used up three of them. <laughs> and normally I ask my guests, tell us about how you got to be doing what you're doing, but 
your story is already out there in the movie, so I'm just going to tell everyone, see the movie. You really should <laughs> see it. I mean, I saw it, and I thought it was the best faith-based movie I have seen. Well, thank you. It's still free on Netflix, so if people have Netflix, it's uh, they can watch it there for free. Nice. Now, we've also got some big news recently. You have a Center for Applied Apologetics, I believe that's opened up, right? That's right. We just announced um, uh, this week the formation of the uh, Lee Strobel Center for Evangelism and Applied Apologetics at uh, uh, Colorado Christian University. Mm -hmm. uh, what we're going to do is offer dozens of uh, accredited courses, uh, undergraduate and graduate level, uh, in both evangelism and um, what we call applied apologetics. And, and by that I mean uh, we're not out to create ivory tower intellectuals. We're really wanting to train people who will be in the marketplace of ideas, like you are. Mm -hmm. uh, people who are active uh, in culture, whether it's in the media, in entertainment, in politics, in, um, um, uh, digitally, uh, on the internet, and so forth. We want to train people who are going to put their apologetics into action. And we really have a plan to um, uh, help churches become more effective in their evangelistic outreach and mm -hmm. in their use of apologetics. We think that's really, really important that the American church um, uh, increase its evangelistic temperature, and we want to give them uh, the skills to do that. Uh, my uh, executive director of the center is Mark Middleberg. He and I have been ministry associates for over 35 years, and he's written many books on evangelism and apologetics. So we're thrilled um, mm -hmm. to announce this. We'll start courses next fall. It'll all be online, so people can um, go online to uh, uh, participate and to learn. So we're very excited. Well, that sounds like something I'm even interested in quite oh, a bit. Oh, it'd be great to have you. Mm -hmm. I'll have to look into that. And I I think it's just so great on my end here that this is the first interview. I, hopefully I'm going to get this up in time, but this is the first interview you've talked about this in. It's the first podcast, yes. That's right. I did do a couple of quick media interviews for uh, news media, but it's the first podcast we've talked about it on. So it's fresh news and... Um, um, we're just uh, um, encouraged by the response we've gotten so far. Now, the m book I was going to talk to you about today was The Case for Miracles, which is, yes. as far as I know, the latest case book. Uh, first off, do you know that the atheist John Loftus, if anyone's ever heard of him, is uh, writing a counter-response to your book? <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's great. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll probably get a copy of it and go through and give sure. a really good review of it. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Something that's really different about this book from others is you actually start out interviewing a skeptic in it. That's right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to present the other side, so I went to the a guy I consider to be the number one skeptic in America, mm -hmm. Dr. Michael Shermer, the founder and editor of Skeptic Magazine, and I challenged him. I said, Dr. Shermer, um, uh, tell him, give me the case against miracles. 
Mm-hmm. And so I, I give him three chapters at the beginning of the book to really build his case against miracles. And because um, I don't think it's a very good case, uh, but I wanted to lay it out there and let people see it. I gave him carte blanche to be able to articulate why he doesn't believe the miracle, miracles happen. And then the rest of the book, um, I present the affirmative case through mm-hmm. interviews with uh, people like Craig Keener mm-hmm. um, at uh, Asbury Seminary, who's written, of course, a monumental work on miracles, um, and um, and other scholars and experts to try to tell the other side and to point out, frankly, some of the errors in um, Dr. Mm-hmm. Shermer's um, uh, case and, and the shortcomings of that case, but mm-hmm. mostly to be able to show that the affirmative mm-hmm. evidence does point powerfully and persuasively toward the fact that God is still supernaturally intervening in his creation. Yeah, when you mentioned Craig Keener, I want to let people know we have had Craig Keener on our show a number of times, and one time he did come on to talk about his book, Miracles, yes. a two-volume book. I encourage anyone to go out there and get that book. I really don't see how someone can go through that book and say, it's all bogus, miracles aren't happening today. I agree with you, Nick. Uh, that book is uh, it's a two-volume book. It's... Um, uh, it's powerful. It's well documented. Uh, he spent years researching it and writing it. Uh, of course, Craig, uh, Craig Keener is a recognized um, a scholar, mm-hmm. um, very prolific scholar. Just oh, came yes. out with a new book called Christobiography, which mm-hmm. deals with the, the reliability of the gospel. So I admire him as a scholar and as a, and as a great uh, uh, Christian leader. And you're right. I mean, anybody who has any doubts about miracles and wants to really dig deeply into the topic, uh, that's a great resource. Yeah, and Craig Keener has also gotten in touch with me about that book, Christobiography. And Good. so, yes, we are probably going to be having him on the show to talk about that. And I suspect that while we're doing this interview, he's probably written another book. Yeah, that's right. He is so prolific. It's unbelievable. I just literally uh, got his new book in the mail yesterday, so I've got it sitting on my desk. I can't wait to dive into it. Um, He just amazes me because um, Mm -hmm. you're right, in the amount of time it takes to say his name, he's able to churn out three more scholarly books with, uh, you know, 15,000 footnotes in them. Hi, this is Justin Brawley of the Unbelievable Radio Show and Podcast, recommending another podcast to you. Nick Peters is a deep thinker, a friend of mine, and he has an inspiring faith. So you should listen to him and his excellent guests on the Deeper Waters show. So keep going deeper and keep getting uh, wetter, I guess. Blessings, Nick. Keep up the good work. Well, let's get back to your book here. Now, something that I've reason I'm being at Michael Shermer is because a lot of people or rather skeptics when you look at your book they say uh, Lee Strobel goes and he just asks light questions and he asks them to the people who are giving the answers he wants to hear so what a shock it turns out that way <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've heard that criticism before, and yet uh, in my book, The Case for Faith, mm-hmm. I interview uh, Charles Templeton, the number mm-hmm. one atheist in Canada, mm-hmm. um, who was a former pulpit partner of Billy Graham, and uh, allowed him to say why he left uh, his Christian ministry mm-hmm. to become um, a prolific writer and, and speaker against Christianity. He wrote the book, Farewell to God, My mm-hmm. Reasons for Rejecting the Christian Faith. And, I, and interestingly, during my interview, with him, I asked him who Jesus is, and he extolled Jesus as being anything I ever good I've ever learned. I've learned from Jesus, and he was the greatest moral leader in the world. And he went on and on, and then 
he broke down and began to cry and said, if I may put it this way, I miss him. Mm-hmm. And it was a very powerful moment. But so I've interviewed, and of course, my TV show, I've had debates between all kinds of atheists and Christians and members of other world religions. So I thought, you know, this is a good opportunity to just present both sides in one volume. Now, let me briefly ask you, then about the case for Christ, because this is the one book you wrote when at the start you were in the antagonist perspective. Were you pretty convinced yeah. that you would go and just interview these guys and by God, you would shoot their arguments full of holes very quickly? Well, the way that book unfolded is um, when I did my original investigation, I was an atheist, a skeptic. Mm-hmm. My wife had become a Christian. I wanted to kind of rescue her from this cult that mm-hmm. she'd gotten involved in. So I set out to investigate Christianity using my legal and journalism training. Um, I, I wasn't ever intending to write a book. That was not in my plans. I, this was all done just for my own personal knowledge. Mm-hmm. I spent two years doing that, and based on the evidence, largely for the resurrection, I became a follower of Jesus. Um, and then it was a while later that Leslie suggested to me that uh, I write a book about it. Well, in order to do that, because I, I kept some notes, but I wasn't intending to write a book when I did my original investigation, I wanted to go out and interview people uh, who, could, uh, who I could tape record the interview and get it all down, get the latest research, and do it systematically. So I went out and did that. And, you know, as the book says on, on, um, uh, at the beginning, um, I'm retracing and expanding upon my original journey through these on-the-record interviews with scholars and experts. So, um, so I chose these people because I believe, having read, you know, widely. I mean, when I was an atheist, you know, some of the books I read during my investigation, uh, Bertrand Russell, Why I'm Not a Christian, and uh, essays on skepticism and on philosophy of science, uh, Albert Schweitzer, The Quest for the Historical Jesus, Anthony Flew, The Presumption of Atheism and God and Philosophy, uh, David Hume, Albert Camus, uh, Christian Metaphysics, and so forth. So I, I read a lot of atheist literature in my original investigation. I did not find, as I looked at the totality of the evidence, I didn't find that it cohered closely with the evidence, with the facts. And so I wanted to go to people who I believe uh, have, ans- have answers that really um, um, are reflective of what the historical evidence really is. So I just tried to go to the best sources, and I asked them the questions I had when I was a skeptic to try to see, could they provide solid, convincing answers? And I leave it up to the reader to decide for themselves whether or not they do respond uh, appropriately and, and thoroughly to the kind of issues I raise. Uh, you know, I didn't raise every issue because I didn't have every question myself, but I raised the ones that mm-hmm. bothered me the most as a skeptic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of how that book got put together. Yeah, and a number of people that are interviewed in your books for listeners of the show, you go through the archives, we've interviewed a number of them as well here. Now, the next one I'd like to talk about in your book, I'm going to go past Craig Keener because I've already done the interview with him yeah. on Miracles. But the mention of Candy Goomfer Brown was very yes. interesting. I had never heard of her. And then yes. shortly after I read this book, I did a live debate at the University of North Georgia Gainesville, my first one, against Dan Barker on the yes. existence of God. And when he mentioned prayer, I said, kept saying over and over, you need to look at Candy Goomfer Brown. You need to look at Candy right. Goomfer Brown. And that was never responded. So who... It, 
Who is a candy goon for Brown? Why, the, why should we care? Yeah, she, she is terrific. She has a Ph.D. from Harvard University. She's a professor at Indiana University, Secular University. Um, and her one of her areas of research has been the area of prayer and unanswered prayer and miracles and things like that. And so one of the fascinating things she did, um, you know, miracles, as my research has kind of confirmed, um, I don't think they happen, I don't think they're evenly distributed around planet Earth. Mm-hmm. We tend to see clusters of miracles where the gospel is breaking into a new culture, like Mozambique or Brazil or China. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Keener has estimated that up to 90% of the growth of the church in China is because people themselves or they know someone who's had a supernatural healing. So we see in, the, in these areas where the gospel is breaking in a, a proliferation of miracles. Well, Dr. Brown said, well, wait a minute, why don't we try to test this? So she sent a team of researchers to Mozambique. They went into the remote villages. Uh, they said, bring us your deaf and your blind. So they brought all the people who themselves were um, hard of hearing or, or vision impaired or deaf or blind. They tested them scientifically to determine what is their level of vision, what is their level of hearing. Immediately then, they're prayed for, hands are laid on them by people who tend to have a track record of God using them in healings, and um, they're prayed for in the name of Jesus. And then immediately after that, they were tested scientifically again. Is there any difference in their their condition and what did they found they found virtually every one of them improved to one degree or the other often astoundingly so for instance there was a woman named martine who when they first encountered her couldn't hear a jackhammer next to her after prayers in the name of jesus she could hear a normal conversation well they were so amazed by this they decided to see can we replicate this so they went to another area of the world where the gospel is breaking in which is brazil they did the same experiment and guess what they got the same results. Now, this is a rigorous scientific study that was accepted for publication in a major, secular, peer-reviewed medical journal. Mm. And uh, when I interviewed Dr. Brown, she said, Lee, our study shows that something is going on. She said, this is more than just wishful thinking. It's not fakery. It's not fraud. It's not some televangelist trying to get widows to send in their money. It's not a highly charged atmosphere that plays on people's emotions. Something is going on. And I think she's right. I think it's something with supernatural qualities. Now, I'll uh, go ahead and say that I sometimes do get skeptical of prayer studies. Mm-hmm. Because it, you're not dealing with a mechanistic being. Like right. If, if you push the A button, if I push the A button on my computer, I expect A is going to show up on the screen. If it doesn't, then I think there's something wrong. But a person, they're not the same way. I and mean, you and I both married. We, we know this. Our wives can like one thing very much one day. The next day, they absolutely hate it. I'm like, what, what happened here? And... So when I hear about prayer studies, I sometimes think I'm not just entirely convinced because of that kind of situation. But I will say, Dr. Gunther Brown's work does give me some pause about that. Yes, I agree with you. I think prayer studies are difficult because, you know, we've seen several studies where um, one group of recovering heart patients is prayed for, and another group isn't. And um, we find uh, predominantly that the ones prayed for have better outcomes. In fact, Dr. Um, 
uh, Shermer in my book, The Skeptic, raised a study that showed the opposite, and I shot down that study by showing it was, the prayer was not done by Christians, but people who didn't even believe in a personal God who heals. Um, so, But the problem with those studies, I think, is... Well, you can't stop family members and friends from praying for mm. people. So you can't you can't rule out prayer for one group and then rule in prayer for another group. There's going to be you know some contamination in the study by others who are praying. So those are difficult. Yeah. Um, there have been some studies also published in uh, peer-reviewed medical journals. There was one recently um, called Case Studies, which is an, a, 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 an investigation into a specific case of an apparent healing uh, that are quite compelling, that have strong evidence. And um, but, but you're right. I mean, the prayer studies are difficult sometimes to um, uh, put together. I think I agree with you that Dr. Brown's study um, is different mm-hmm. because you're talking about uh, this is a rigorous study of, of of people examined immediately before and immediately after prayer. That, I agree with you, that says something special. mind everyone at this point you're listening to the Depot Bardos podcast everything we do here is supported by listeners like you I really encourage you to go to my website depotbardosapologetics.com and uh, click on the link for the website help support the work of Depot Bardos Christian Ministries you get taken to the ministry of risen Jesus when you click there have you gone to the right place yes you have those are my in-laws Mike and Debbie Lacona so you make your donation then you get in touch with me, or Mike, or my wife, Ari, or Mike's wife, Debbie. And you say, hey, I uh, I want to uh, make a donation Nick Peters. I want to go to Deeper Waters. We'll give that donation. It will be tax deductible. And you can also um, buy some ebooks that I have written or co-written. Written is a creed for the ages, the Apostles' Creed in today's Christian. Co-written books like Defining Inerrancy, Contextualizing Inerrancy, The Mentionables Project, or uh, Groundless, looking at Dan Barker, who I just referenced. And if you can't do any of these, please go on iTunes and leave a positive review of our show. I'd really love to see it. Now, Lee, do you have an organization or charity you'd like to see people donate to? Well, you know, our new uh, Center for Evangelism and Applied Apologetics at Colorado Christian University is um, just coming online. Uh, We're in the process of developing scores of new courses with accredited uh, scholars. These will be accredited courses that um, people can take, and uh, if people want to contribute to that, they can uh, go to uh, ccu.edu, which is the uh, website for Colorado Christian University, and uh, designate a donation for the uh, 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 center. Okay. Uh, I encourage you to do that. Now, let's get back to a book 
when you got an interview also in there, one that far interesting with uh, Roger Olsen that maybe we're embarrassed about miracles. Yeah, I found this fascinating. He actually wrote a blog about this that captured my attention. So I went to Baylor University, where Dr. Olson is a professor of, the, of uh, historical uh, theology, and uh, interviewed him. And um, his point, and I think there's something to this, I really do. He says, you know, in many American churches, uh, and among many American Christians, and I emphasize the American part of that, um, we tend to be embarrassed a bit by the supernatural. We want to be accepted by our neighbors. We want to be seen as respectable. We don't want to be seen as wild-eyed uh, uh, religious fanatics. And so mm-hmm. we like to say, oh, we're just like you, except we believe in Jesus. Um, you know, <laughs> the miracles, oh, well, maybe a long time ago, who knows, but we're certainly not into that. And, and I think there tends to be uh, this underlying embarrassment um, among m- many Christian churches uh, uh, toward the miraculous. And um, I think that's tragic. I really do. Uh, you know, I'm not from a charismatic background. Um, you know, I am um, uh, ordained in an interdenominational church. Um, I've taught at Baptist universities. Um, and I think the fact that I wrote this book on miracles may be more important than if a charismatic had written it, because I think uh, uh, people might dismiss it and say, oh, yeah, well, that's them. Um, well, no, this is, this is all of us. God is still active in the world. God is still in the miracle business. God is still intervening supernaturally. Uh, it's not something we need to be embarrassed about. Um, it's something that we need to uh, be appropriately skeptical about, uh, just as any phenomenal, you know, uh, fantastical kind of claims we should be, you know, we should look a little bit askance at it, but we should check it out. And when we do have good evidence that God has indeed acted, and I have some examples in my book of this, including um, uh, a woman uh, uh, cured of multiple sclerosis in the best documented case we have. Um, the um, uh, w- When we have that kind of evidence, I think we need to embrace the fact that we serve a God who is living, who is active, who is alive, who is, who is uh, personal, who loves us, who cares about us, and who acts in time and space. Yeah, I... I think that sometimes when I'm even praying, when my wife and I pray together at night, it's kind of, I feel like we're talking out both sides of our mouths um, because mm. we we pray for a miracle to happen, but in back of my mind, yeah, I, I just really don't think God's going to you know, do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, and a lot of people get discouraged. My wife has a medical condition that has had her in pain every day for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And she will be in pain every day for the rest of her life um, unless God does a miracle and cures her of this incurable condition. And he has not chosen to intervene. And um, those are difficult cases. And uh, I knew I couldn't write a book on miracles without addressing that issue, um, which I think is, is a profound one for many people who say, you know, well, what about me? Why, why, why is God not answering my prayers for a miracle? And so what I did is I interviewed uh, Dr. Douglas Groteis uh, from Denver Seminary. And the reason I interviewed him is not only is he a great intellectual, he's written a terrific book mm-hmm. called Christian Apologetics. It's like 700-plus pages, and it's very readable, kind of a basic introduction to apologetics. Uh, so he, and he's got his Ph.D. from a secular university in philosophy. So he has all the intellectual firepower. But his wife, at the time I interviewed him, was dying of a rare brain condition. 
and they had prayed for healing and, and nothing had happened and indeed she did go to be with the lord after mm-hmm. the book came out um and it you know nick i've interviewed a lot of people over my years it may be the most profound interview i've ever conducted uh, because he was speaking from the head and the heart he was speaking not in the abstract but in the personal and uh, tells the story and, and really tries to analyze why you know god is not a vending machine that we put in a quarter and get a miracle uh, automatically dispensed um, so i encourage people who wrestle with this issue and, and many people do uh, to say, read this chapter. Uh, I really think it'll minister to you. I think it'll give you, um, you know, not just a dose of um, um, intellectual reasons for this, but also you'll see the heart of Dr. Grothuis, and I think you'll find that it's, uh, it'll connect deeply with your own situation. Hello, this is Andy Bannister, the director of the Solar Center for Public Christianity, and I'm delighted to endorse and uh, recommend the ministry of Deeper Waters Apologetics. I've been hugely impressed watching the work that Nick has done over the years, building up the website and the podcast, the quality of the guests that he gets onto there. And I love the way that uh, the ministry challenges and encourages both Christians and those who don't have a Christian faith to really think through the claims of the gospel. I'm also impressed by just how Christ-centered and Nick is and all that he does is his desire to see people encounter Jesus Christ and the life-transforming truth of the gospel. So uh, more strength to them. It's been a privilege to know Nick over the years, and I hope Deeper Waters goes from strength to strength. And if you haven't yet discovered it, check out the website deeperwatersapologetics.com for yourself. When you start talking about your wife, I can remember think the same thing. My own wife struggles with a lot of discomfort from mental illness. And I've had a number of neocrises at mm. times, and yeah. it's exceptionally hard sure. on me. And yep. so, yeah, I, I do look about it, and I wonder, and of course, we can also think about the event, and I think this is the one you talk about in your book that happened just a few years ago, Nabil Qureshi. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Our dear friend, Nabil Qureshi, we all loved, uh, Muslim turned Christian scholar, um, husband, father of a little girl, mm-hmm. and uh, developed stomach cancer at a young age. He was in his 30s and went to be with the Lord. And, and we all just scratch our head and say, why, why, why did that happen? And um, those are tough cases. I remember being at his funeral, and um, uh, you know, it was it was it was really hard. Um, so I, you know, is the answer easy? No, but I think people who read that chapter walk away and say, okay, at least I get a better sense of this. You know, for instance, in the New Testament, uh, miracles were not automatic. Um, uh, Jesus didn't do many miracles in Nazareth. Um, the um, um, example of uh, Paul, who um, didn't heal everybody, Trophimus was sick, and Paul went off on his missionary journey without healing him. Um, in Matthew chapter, what is it, uh, 6, I believe, uh, the disciples are given the authority to heal, and then uh, a few ch- chapters later, they're unable to heal an epileptic boy. So, you know... Yeah, that it, it, was uh, Matthew 17, we couldn't hear of the epileptic That's right, boy. that's right. Um, and, and so, you know, healing wasn't automatic then either, and I think the way you put it, where if you type an A on your computer and you know an A is going to come up, um, you know, we're dealing with a sovereign God who will do as he will do, who sees things and knows things and understands things that we don't. 
um, and and yet who is committed to our well-being and committed to loving us and and um, so we he'll often allow things to happen that we don't understand the reason for and in the end sometimes looking back we can see and understand better why God allowed certain things to occur I still remember shopping at Walmart when the day that Nabir died mm. and uh, I'm in the store and Debbie Mike's wife gives me a call and says look you can't say anything yet but we just received word that Nabir just died and says don't tell anyone yeah I think she said I could tell Allie but other than that it had to stay between us yeah. and here I'm walking around Walmart trying to do my shopping I always want to just break down and cry instead but I have yeah. to put on a face cause I can't tell anyone what's going on and watching all these people going out and living their lives so regularly here in our city and just thinking um, do you all not realize what has happened here? And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was with Nabil in the hospital room um, just shortly before he died and laid my hands on him, prayed for him, and um, you know, it was one of the toughest moments of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and now his widow, uh, Michelle, is uh, an active member of uh, First Baptist Church here in Houston. Just saw her recently at a service. Mm-hmm. She's still serving the Lord and the little child is growing up, and, and uh, the, the community of Christians at that church have rallied around uh, them and upheld them and encouraged them and prayed for them. And it was a, it's a great example of how a community of believers can undergird people going through tragedy in their lives. It, it's something incredible also to me that skeptics so many times were say, well, you know, you Christians remember all the times that prayer gets answered, yes, but you seem to conveniently forget all the times it gets answered, no. Mm. No, I don't. I remember those times very well, and like the old song goes, I am so super thankful many times those prayers were answered, no. Because I can't think of how many times I've gone through something in life and thought, God, you really don't know what you're doing here. I mean, can't you see that this is the obvious thing that needs to be done? And then just a couple weeks later, I was like, Okay, I I kind of see what I have spoke out of turn at that point. <laughs> What's the old saying? Um, uh, may you be um, protected from uh, answers to all your prayers. In other <laughs> words, you know we have a limited perspective. We uh. pray for things sometimes, and and as you say, looking back, we go, oh my goodness, now I can see in God's mm-hmm. wisdom mm-hmm. Uh, why He allowed or didn't allow certain things to occur. Do you have any more case books coming down the line anytime soon? Because you know, those are since, always to me some of the best books to read. So, are there any more that oh, are thank coming? You. Yeah, I do. I'm working actively on one now. Uh, my deadline is next June, and it'll come out um, a, a year from spring. Um, so it'll be spring of 21. I can't say what it is at this point, but um, it's a fascinating topic, an important topic, and um, I'm already interviewed uh, two scholars for it and uh, have uh, two more interviews uh, scheduled coming up next month. So I'm actively pursuing it. I don't know beyond that, you know, I don't want to keep doing it unless the topics themselves are really important and um, worth writing about. And, and, and that other people haven't covered, you know. For instance, I was going to write a book on um, uh, the case for life. And uh, I do a lot of fundraising for crisis pregnancy centers mm-hmm. uh, where I'll come in and, and uh, raise money for them to, uh, for the pro-life movement. 
and so I'm, I'm passionate about that topic, but um, especially because I was an unwanted pregnancy uh, in my father's eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, um, But, you know, Scott Klusendorf from Biola wrote a terrific book called The Case for Life. And, uh, you know, I read that book and thought, well, God bless him. I'm glad he did it because I don't have to. And uh, so, I, I, you know, some of the I don't want to retread ground that's already been sufficiently covered. Um, but I do want to popularize some things where there's a lot of technical literature, but not yeah. a lot on the everyday level, because yeah. I'm not a scholar. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not like uh, Mike Lacona. I don't have a PhD from Pretoria and, yes. and so forth. So, uh, but I am, I see myself and my role in the kingdom of God is a bridge between mm-hmm. the scholarly world and the everyday world. Mm-hmm. And God gave me some skills as a journalist to be able to uh, interview people and, and translate it into things that people can understand. And, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for that. And, and um, um, so I, 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 sometimes I like to look and say, what, what are scholars talking about that the rest of us aren't yet aware of? Mm-hmm. and say maybe there's some new stuff I can do in that area. Like, for instance, on miracles, when Craig Keener wrote this uh, phenomenal book, um, two volumes on miracles, I thought, okay, how many people are going to really read all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I could help um, popularize the material on a level that's accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you say that you really don't know if there'll be any more coming out of this, I, I can't help but think that I've interviewed John Walton on here a number of times, and when he had the case, but the lost world of Adam and Eve came out, I said, so, Dr. Warren, there going to be any more lost world books? I mean, like lost world of a flood or lost world of a law or something like that. And yeah. he's going, I really don't think that's going to be happening. But now we've had those books come out. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you're planting some seeds there. Maybe. <clears throat> Well, Lee, it's been awesome having you on here, and well, unfortunately, you. the 40 minutes is coming to an end, so I'd like to give some time just to wrap things up here, and I, I also would say that, that I still remember my wife and I meeting you in Warsmore, and normally, we don't really care for meeting extroverts in our case, but there was something different about you. Interacting with, you're, you're just a great guy to interact with. Well, thank you. That's very kind. I appreciate that. It was wonderful to see you and your wife there and, and um, um, you know, so many other people as well who are interested in this topic. And mm-hmm. you've brought so much to the table. I mean, your podcast is terrific. Your, uh, your, your, your website is so helpful, and, and you're making a huge contribution uh, to helping people understand not just what we believe, but why we believe it. I sure hope so. Well, let's talk about you a little bit more here. If someone wants to get in touch with you, do you have a blog, a website, an email, where they can get in touch with you and find out more? Yeah, uh, leestrobel.com, L-E-E-S-T-R-O-B-E-L.com, mm-hmm. has um, uh, my regular information. I'm not, I don't have a blog, um, um, I, I don't have a podcast, but I, I'm very active on Twitter. Um, it kind of feeds into my headline writing days as a journalist because mm. of the short. Uh, and, and I've just made some great friends on Twitter, met some wonderful people. And, and uh, so if people are on Twitter, my handle is at Please Strobel, and I'd love to follow you back and, mm. and maintain a connection there. The book is called Case for Miracles. As of time of recording, the Kindle version is $9.99, hardcover $11.99, and paperback $13.04 on Amazon. Very interesting, but hardcover is cheaper than the paperback. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Lee, do you have any uh, final words you'd like to leave for Deeper Waters audience? 
You know, I think we live in an increasingly skeptical world, and I think it just uh, um, means that our friend Jay Warner Wallace is right when he says evangelism in the 21st century is spelled apologetics. Mm-hmm. This is important, and, yep. and if we're going to reach our world for Christ, um, apologetics has got to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, it's been great having you on, and I hope we'll Thanks, see you man. back here again sometime, especially when the new book comes out in 2021. I'd love to interview you again on that one. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm all, all right. for it. Thank you. Yeah, I'd like to remind everyone that uh, I'm going to be working on the show for next week. I don't have something solid yet, but I'm working on it. But for now, I'm Nick Peters. I affirm the virgin birth, and I am signing off. <laughs>